Welcome to the Marketing Solutionaire, where we dig into the roots of great enterprise marketing. I'm your host, Chris Kaler, founder and CEO of Emsphere. In this podcast, we seek out the secrets to success in driving high utilization, adoption, and value from marketing technology with an eye toward building a community of excellence that drives our field forward together. So whether you're an established enterprise marketing leader or on your journey to become one, you're in the right place. And now, on to the show. Today, I'll be speaking with Mark Milstein, co-founder and rainmaker at Vigil, a trailblazer for ethical and legally clean generative AI solutions. Sit back and enjoy this episode as Mark unpacks both the challenges and opportunities content creators are faced with as they embark on their AI journey. Mark, first of all, thank you for joining us here on the Marketing Solutionaire to share your uh, expertise in the area of generative AI and content operations. Was really looking forward to this. So thank you, thank you. Well, thank you very much, Chris, for having me on board today. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, fantastic. Well, before we jump into all the meaty parts, I want our listeners to get the full appreciation. I've known you for a while. And even when I first met you, I didn't have all the details, but I think I was later researching you and I was going, hey, Nadine, do you realize what this guy, where he came from, what he's done? So let's set the stage for the listeners before the we start jumping into AI and, and, and maybe jump in the time machine and go back maybe 30 years when Mark Milstein, hey, was in the content business. But you, you were just behind a camera and you were a war photographer and correspondent. And why don't you start with that and uh, thread that story right up through what you're doing now with Visual? Sure. Well, um, about 30 years ago, uh, in the latter part of the 80s, early 90s, I was a correspondent for a British news agency in Washington. And uh, that didn't work out very well. Uh, unfortunately, my writing skills perhaps were not up to snuff. However, I found a talent in photography. Uh, press photography specifically. And uh, at that moment, uh, when that sort of collided with uh, headlines on the Washington, the Washington Post and New York Times about a conflict that was brewing in the former Yugoslavia and Eastern Europe. And um, without much prompting, I took uh, a little bit of holiday time, a little bit of vacation time, and I decided that I would take myself and head off to war. And uh, without... Uh, what a holiday. For a holiday, that's right. Sort of like a PJ O'Rourke or a Tom Wolf, um, you know, sort of experiencing experience journalism. And uh, I ended up uh, taking this two weeks, and uh, two weeks turned into five years. I ended up spending five years uh, covering the war in the former Yugoslavia, working uh, in Sarajevo and Bosnia, as well as uh, in Croatia and in Serbia, and then I'm fun and finally into Kosovo. And uh, that then subsequently led to a 10-year career as a war photographer, uh, shooting content for Time Magazine, Newsweek, uh, the Knight Ritter newspaper group, which is the Philadelphia Inquirer at that time, uh, the Detroit Free Press, uh, San Diego Union. Went on to cover more than 20 conflicts. Uh, I was in Iraq multiple times uh, during the reign of Saddam Hussein. I was in Afghanistan when the, when the Taliban first took over. I was in Rwanda during the genocide. I was in Chechnya uh, during the entirety of the uh, the first conflict, and then uh, partially during the second portion of the the second conflict at the turn of the century. 
And uh, at the turn of the century, uh, when I was uh, still in Kosovo, uh, I attended a, an event in Budapest, Hungary, with a colleague of mine who was then the correspondent for Business Week magazine called First Tuesday. First Tuesday was a speed dating event for uh, entrepreneurs to come to contact with, uh, with angel investors and venture capitalists. They had a great idea. And um, I was really, really sort of uh, naive to the startup scene and to the fact that the internet had sort of bubbled at that moment. I understood what the internet was. I mean, the internet was, you know, something to me was CompuServe. Um, it wasn't uh, more than that. Anyway, I'm at this bar drinking a beer and uh, waiting for my colleague to finish up a, uh, an interview. And uh, somebody walked over to me and said to me, uh, hey, Mark, what's your idea? Because everybody was wearing name tags, so they, were, they already knew what your name was. And I don't know what made me say it, but I had read an article, uh, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal or another publication uh, a couple of weeks earlier about uh, Getty Images having just surpassed, having just had their six-month or one-year anniversary. And I said to this guy, online photo agency. He said, online photo agency? What's that all about? I said, well, a, a means of which that uh, photography, news photography, editorial photography, stock photography would be taken out of people's shoe boxes and off of the shelves uh, and would be put and digitized, I should say, and then put online. And then people could go online and actually search for that and then download it and pay, pay a licensing fee. And they asked for a business plan and uh, I didn't have any sort of an idea of how to even do that, but uh, figured it out. I think I had gone on to something called Alta Vista, which was a really <laughs> ancient search engine. Previous, I think it was prior to, to Yahoo. And I found this example of a, uh, of, a, of a business plan. Anyway, I threw it together. And a few weeks later, I uh, had raised quite a sum of money. And the next thing you know, it uh, founded a company called Red Dot, which uh, became the first internet-based photo agency in former Soviet Europe. Serving clients, and that's about two thousand one. Two thousand, two thousand one. That's right. Serving uh, clients in, uh, in 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 Hungary, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Serbia, uh, Poland, uh, former Eastern Europe. Um, the company took off, uh, did very very well. We exited in twenty eleven uh, successfully, having sold the company to a, uh, a an East Europe another rival in Eastern Europe. Um, at the same time, I then founded uh, another company called North Photo, which is a uh, photo agency, competitive photo agency, selling celebrity photography and uh, stock imaging. And then, at the, and then in, a, in a kind of a weird turn of events, I became this kind of a serial entrepreneur and went out and founded another company called Microstock Solutions, which provides legal and technical compliance for uh, stock media agencies and other companies that have large uh, libraries of video and photo photographic content. So we provide uh, the first sets of eyes and brain cells on a large portion of content as it arrives at any one of a number of stock agencies and, and corporate libraries to ensure that the that it's legally compliant, that it's technically compliant. And you also have uh, the services that kind of provide the managed services. Is that correct? Of all the yes. tagging and content management? Exactly, exactly. And then uh, during the height of COVID, I was sitting in the office uh, completely empty with all of our employees uh, being stuck at home. And uh, there I was and a colleague of mine from years past in the stock media business, a guy who's a very talented photographer said, uh, hey, look, I'm in town. Can I come on over and meet with you? And I said, sure. And he came over and we sat about 10 feet apart in a room because we were scared to death of coughing on each other or getting some sort of uh, a version of COVID. We each had masks on and he's telling me this wacky science fiction story about how um, he's latched onto this idea where you could um, put a text input 
into a computer, into a piece of software, and then output a photograph. And I thought, this guy's absolutely out of his mind. But that sounds really interesting. And um, a couple of weeks went by, and um, he was experimenting, and he kept on asking me whether or not you know, I could take a look at the results and what I thought about them. And finally, one day, um, it was a eureka moment where he inputted a, a prompt for a, a woman, a middle-aged woman with brown or brown black hair and a certain set of features. And there it was on our screen. And I thought, oh, my God, look at that. Uh, at that moment, I think I knew that the world had changed. I mean, it was a true tectonic shift. I mean, it was sort of like Frankenstein waking up off of the operating table with the lightning bolts going off. And um, that's exactly what this was. This was a moment of, of true uh, amazement on my part. I think I've seen everything, but I had never seen anything like that. This was almost three years ago. And um, he, my partner, uh, Michael Osterreeder, who uh, eventually asked me to come and join the company, which had no name at the time, and ultimately became Visual. Um, Visual uh, is the um, largest um, provider of biometrically released data sets of real humans to the generative AI space. Um, we have uh, another 300 million images under license of stock media, which has been aggregated and processed for uh, generative AI data sets and those training data sets. And I, I believe that we are the only company on the planet that provides such a service. And this is a place where companies like Adobe or Meta or Google or Microsoft or anybody else who's in the generative space can come and license huge data sets of content which are legally licensable, which have copyright protection on them, where the copyright holders are being remunerated, in other words, a royalty fee is being paid to them for the use of their content, where all of the models that we have shot, the real live people that we have shot for our biometric data set have been paid and have signed a biometric model release, uh, which is both um, GDPR compliant, GDPR being the legislation in Europe that sort of frameworks all uh, work, all parts of your life, whether it's a digital identity or biometric rights or, or anything else. Um, and there's the same equivalent agency here in the U.S., right, BIPA? Correct. Correct. Some, some, some states, like the state of Texas, for example, has an incredibly robust uh, personal identity uh, 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 legislation on the books, the state of Illinois. Uh, other states have similar laws. So I, I'm, I'm kind of envisioning Grandpa Mark at some point telling a story to his grandchildren about in the old days when we had to walk uphill both ways and we had to create some content, I had to take a holiday, go into a war for about five years and have a, uh, a camera and actually push a button and, and take the pictures to, to what you're talking about today. Uh, but it's exactly, it's still content creation. It's, it's still the visual media, how you capture it, how you process, how you use it. And, and what I want to start peeling the onion on is from this tremendous change in landscape, and especially over the past nine months, uh, for, first, if you could kind of explain the the issues that didn't before this generative AI content creation, 
what exists today, whether you're a marketer or in legal or compliance that didn't exist a few years ago, uh, whether that's IP or fair use? Sure. So, you know, uh, a little bit more than a year ago, if you needed to shoot content or you needed content, you could source your content in one of a number of ways. One, you could hire a photographer or a graphic designer or a content creative to make you bespoke content. Um, two, you could go to a company like a platform like Getty Images or Shutterstock and license that content, whether it's video, audio, or still photography. Um, or you could steal it. And I'm sure that some people have done that, but that's something that I think most content, uh, most marketing people have, would never even consider. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, like about a year or so ago, uh, Dali showed up, OpenAI's text image synthesis product, and the world changed. I mean, I don't think, as I said to you earlier, that there has been a greater tectonic shift uh, in technology and in our lives that, other than uh, other than perhaps the the you know the the arrival of fire or electricity, that will equal generative AI. It's literally going to. And it's going to literally put itself into every part of our lives. So uh, tell me a little bit about uh, visual in terms of how you tackle uh, some of these new challenges and issues facing content creators, marketers, content operations professional, just in terms of, you know, are you a technology company? Are you a uh, training company, not training humans, but machine learning. So kind of explain the commercial model. Sure. Well, um, as I said, uh, you know, this technology appeared on the scene about a little bit more than a year ago, although artificial intelligence and research into artificial intelligence has been going on for many, many decades. It is only in the last year or so that it has actually appeared on the public stage and has been readily accessible. It's been productized. It went from the research labs and, and research papers of universities and large corporations into the public sphere, into actual products. That is the, the what I call the eureka moment that occurred about a year or so ago. And um, Visual thought that its best approach to this was a number of what I call manyfold. One, that we were going to create a data set of real humans in a strict engineered environment that was going to be the basis we hoped for the training of every generative product, every text image generative product, and many other kinds of what I call KYC products. Know your client products. These are security-based products. In other words, they, you go into a supermarket and that the supermarket knows that it's actually you as opposed to somebody else who might look like you or be, be some or, or use your name. Um, and we began with that product. That's our, that's our flagship product. And that then begat... Uh, the creation of the Dataset Shop. The Dataset Shop is the world's largest platform for the licensing of training data. So in other words, if you're a company like Meta, Google, Microsoft, uh, OpenAI, uh, you would come to a company like ours, a platform like the Dataset Shop, and you would then search for, at this very moment, biometric data, which as I described a number of times, we have the largest data set on the planet. And, and explain that just for me being a novice too. Uh, I had the opportunity to do a little research and, and, and prepare for the test. But for some of our listeners out there, biometric data has something to do with humans and with fingerprints. Right. 
So I'll just explain. So look, everybody knows what an algorithm is. Everybody knows that it's a mathematical formula. Um, algorithms can be can be trained or can be can be uh, what do you call it? coded to do many many things. Um, but the ones that we're speaking about right now are text to image synthesis rather than let's say LLMs, large language models like let's say um, uh, that 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 are that are really really popular right now, like the ones from OpenAI, ChatGPT, and so on and so forth. We're speaking specifically about uh, text to image synthesis models. Um, they demand and require huge volumes of visual data to know what a pencil looks like, to know what a real person looks like, to be able to reproduce a real person. And with the fidelity of a camera, it needs to know every single element of that person. It needs to know what, 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 what a person's ears look like, what a person's nose looks like, what a person's chin looks like, what skin tones look like, so on and so forth. I could just go on about every single element of a human being. And it, without that, it's incapable of, of, of replicating that in a synthetic output, which is why with many of the products that many people have played around with, whether it's stability or it's mid-journey or it's, or it's Dali, they get humans that have six fingers or three eyes or, you know, a, a bulge coming out of the back of their head or something that's just not a little, just a little bit off. And in some cases, a lot off from what a real human looks like. And so the quality of the training data when you're creating such a model is absolutely critical. The volume of training data is critical. And the situation that exists right now at this very moment in time is that all of the aforementioned products that I've just mentioned with the exception of OpenAI, and that's a little bit uh, uh, opaque at this moment, um, have stolen all of their content. In other words, they began their training regime a year or two ago, or maybe three years ago, but instead of licensing that content, and it was going to Getty Images, Shutterstock, companies like Visual, to license their visual media, what does a coffee cup look like, you know, a, a desk, a table, a, a house, they decided that they would vacuum clean the internet. And that means everybody's photography, literally every single photograph that you've ever made or any of us have ever made that's ever appeared in public, whether it's on Facebook or elsewhere, Flickr, um, was vacuum cleaned up to create something called the Lion B 5B uh, data set, which is a data set of 5 billion images. And that's Lion, that's L-A-I-O-N. Um, and that data set um, is the basis of training. It was the, was the training uh, foundation for uh, companies like Stability uh, and uh, Midjourney. And so, uh, in order for in order for companies to go forward, um, and, and not to and not to and to create what I call a legal environment. Um, and this is really really complicated. In order for them to create a legal environment, they should have licensed all that photography because if the resulting uh, non-license the result of that non-licensing is that every single outputted image from any of those aforementioned platforms with exception of OpenAI's uh, Dali um, is um, 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 legally toxic in other words any company that that, that uses mid-journey or stability to um, create an ad campaign or you know a brochure or anything, a photo of something. And if they then commercialize that product, they run the risk of getting sued. So in terms of, let me back that up a little bit. So in, in terms of visual, uh, your company actually goes out and do you purchase that content and or do you shoot it? Do you shoot it and and get the go through the compliance and sign off of the biometric data how do you acquire that or capture that for the data shop 
So our, our biometric data is shot all in-house. We have got, we've got uh, facility, studio facilities uh, around the world at this very moment where we're uh, calling, having model calls. We, have, we call out uh, a variety of uh, social platforms asking for models to come in. We pay the model. Uh, we give them a biometric model release as well as a traditional stock media license, uh, a model release, I should say. Uh, they sign both documents. Um, they're paid for their services. Um, they're shot in a 360-degree environment. Approximately 250 to 300 images are taken. Uh, the resulting images are then are then gone over by editors to ensure that they are, that they meet the specifications that we uh, that we've engineered and baked into our process. Um, the, we then apply a proprietary volume of metadata which we believe results in very very high quality outputs as well as as, as reducing the amount of uh, time that the GPUs need to work on this in order to output, in order to create a successful product. Uh, the remaining 350 or so million images were licensed under agreements with a variety of, of, of strategic partners, people who are in the media business. In other words, these are licensing companies, uh, companies like Deposit Photos and Panther Media and uh, many, many others worldwide who have collections of stock photography, uh, which were available for licensing. Sure. So you're actually have technology in, in addition to shooting uh, uh, these this visual media, you are actually applying and processing uh, your technology to prepare it for your end customer to ingest for training. Is am I close? Correct. That's very much correct. That's right. And we're also at the same time, those processes are being automated. So at the very beginning, they were manually done, but we're automating those processes and those product, those, those manual, I'm sorry, those, those, those automated processes are going to be productized. So very shortly, we'll be deploying um, uh, auto tagging solutions for data sets or for anybody that provide a level of, of granularity that's heretofore never been achieved. And we should not confuse at this moment the kind of metadata application that you traditionally would put, let's say, for example, on a studio image or a or an editorial image or even a stock image. This isn't that kind of metadata application. It's a lot more uh, engineered and um, uh, radically different than the kind of traditional metadata that one would find if they went on to Shutterstock or Getty images. Sure. And your ideal customer profile, uh, the industries, are they technology companies that are in the machine learning, or are they large Fortune 500 companies in particular sectors? Who who writes the checks to Visual? <laughs> right. So the largest the largest technology companies on the planet, people that you use every day that are integral as part of they're part of your everyday life. Some co- companies that you cannot live without. I will not mention them. I, I'm not permitted to mention them, uh, but I can tell you that they are literally integral with all of our lives. Uh, companies uh, that are involved, with, as I said, in, in the know your customers field. Uh, this is defense contractors or, or security companies, biometric security companies, banks, uh, corporations that uh, are heavily involved in, in developing uh, new strategies for image, image, synth- uh, Im- text image synthesis production or is creating synthetic imagery as well uh, are our clients. So it's a penelope. It's a complete you know, what I call the, the, the total landscape of companies. Everybody is jumping on board the generative AI bandwagon. Sure. Uh, and I know you're not permitted to necessarily mention names, but can you kind of articulate a, a typical or a specific use case of a particular 
customer coming to you and what that application is to help us all wrap our head around? Sure. I have a couple of favorite stories. Uh, one is that uh, Heathrow Airport in uh, London uh, recently began a project where they wanted to ensure a better delivery of luggage from the aircraft to the to the luggage uh, carousel within the airport. And they ha- have begun a, product, a project where they're going to begin to acquire huge volumes of photography of a variety of different kind of luggage types in order to train an algorithm, which will eventually and hopefully uh, speed up the delivery of, of, of that luggage uh, from, as I said, from the airplane to the carousel. That's one example. The other example, which I think is very interesting, is that there is a healthcare company, which I can't name, an American healthcare company, that recently got a mandate from uh, their clients to produce an algorithm which would, um, which is based upon a large data set of people holding infants. So those photographs of people holding infants in a variety of, 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 of environments. They want to create an, a, an algorithm which would hopefully prevent and or alert staff whenever anybody who's not um, um, authorized to enter into a maternity ward tries to walk away with a newborn. Yeah. It's a radically, radically different kind of a of thinking. This is certainly not, you know, creating a photograph of a, of a, of a you know, of a pink mouse flying on the back of a purple right. elephant. Um, the other, the other uh, use case was a, uh, a very a global uh, automobile manufacturer who needs to uh, uh, accrue data sets of, of, of asphalted roads and cement roads uh, in order to better train their uh, their, their systems uh, their, their, uh, their autonomous vehicle systems as well as uh, uh, images of people crossing roads and doing variety of things on the sides of roads in order to do as I said to improve their autonomous vehicle uh, uh, t- uh, system. So those are great. It's just not marketing, advertising, uh, organizations to message and brand. Uh, it's uh, optimizing operations uh, also. Uh, whether you've been involved with it or not, can you kind of extrapolate how that may get into the market, uh, into the realm of marketing operations and large corporations thinking about how do we use these data sets to promote our brand or uh, generate demand? Sure. At the beginning of the summer, um, I was approached by a large international beverage company, the marketing department, who was very much interested in knowing how we could potentially help them develop better can design. And they needed examples of aluminum cans without any logos on them, or even with logos on it, hundreds of thousands of images of cans, bottles, beverage packaging. Uh, because they want to improve the quality and the design of their packages, of their of their of their cans and their bottles, and so uh, how they're going to go about doing that, I don't know. But that just gives you an indication that everybody is trying to figure out a way to leverage the technology in order to better improve processes, means of 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 of, of developing products, speed to speed up the development of products, uh, or to better even present their products. Wow. So let's pivot a little bit. Uh, looking at the doing the research on, on on the founders and co-founders, there seems to be a uh, a common thread that all of you are are very intimate with uh, not just the technology or uh, in in content, but IP and copyright and licensing. Uh, can you? Talk briefly about how 
the importance of that uh, of a leadership team of a I, I'm I'm looking I'm imagining a Venn diagram of technology, legal compliance people, fair use, uh, generative AI, marketing operations. It's it's a big scope. Why was that so important that the founders and what probably makes you unique? Uh, we all come from the from the from the from the visual IP sphere. Well, every one of us. Uh, with the exception of our CFO, our CFO comes from a, a international corporate uh, environment. Uh, but everybody, uh, Michael Osterreeder, our uh, CEO, my co-founder, uh, is a is a former stock photographer for many many years and has sold over one million licenses. Uh, like me, he's an expert in in copyright, trademark, as well as legal, uh, you know, uh, IP legal affairs. Uh, we all grew up, or you know, grew up within the industry, understanding that uh, all. Pictures of real people needed model releases. All pictures of buildings which were which were not in the public domain, which were privately owned, needed property releases. Um, so we were well versed in the requirements necessary in order to achieve uh, legality and to and and also to you know to ensure what I call a an ethical approach to 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 you know any kind of corporate development. Uh, our other co-founder uh, Nicholas Mahias um, is also a multi-million license. Uh, 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 photographer. Uh, he has been in the business, as I said, for more than 20 years, uh, having worked as in, in major studio operations and continues to be our head of production. In fact, he's the one who's in charge of all of the production of all of our biometric model uh, models, uh, modeling photography, I should say. Uh, Karen Flavel, our COO, um, is, a, is a veteran of, of Silicon Valley and has worked with companies such as VMware and Meta in product development, UX development, um, and um, is also an expert in in visual IP law and 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 licensing, yeah, content licensing. So, how is this conversation going? And beyond the conversation, uh, the actual what's happening in the marketplace today? Uh, I, I, there's pro, there's one side of the camp uh, where where you are about the ethical and clean ethical and, and, and legal content to be used, uh, not necessarily mentioning other company names, uh, it's up to you, but you got probably another camp that has a different point of view that's going in 180 degrees in another direction. Is, are, is that coming together or is it getting wider apart? And how's that present a challenge to you? Well, I think it's, a, it's, it's, it's absolutely the challenge of this industry at this very, very moment. Um, the, the, the single biggest problem that exists right now is that there is a contention between those who say go fast, throw away the brakes, don't hold on to the steering wheel, and let's continue to go as fast as we possibly can until whatever happens. And those who say, whoa, hold on a second, love the technology, but hey, we have to get the legality straight because without getting the legality straight, um, as I described earlier, any of these synthetic outputs are going to be legally toxic to those people who end up licensing that or buying that content from you, the platform. Um, you know, uh, technology platforms uh, are, are quick to, to sort of onboard clients without explaining to them that, you know, by the way, uh, yes, you can use our here's our here's our product. It's fantastic. I know you fell in love with it instantaneously. It'll do everything you say. Uh, it'll do everything we say it does. However, uh, uh, you know, uh, they, they fail to mention that, by the way, any of your outputs are not legally protected. They're not copyrightable. Um, they might get you into legal trouble because the copyright holder uh, 
uh, of the image that the that the training data that, that was included as part of the training data uh, might sue you and us. And so uh, why anybody would want to go down that road is, is beyond me, as opposed to stopping at this very moment, once again, agreeing that the technology is fantastic. But going slow here, getting a grip on things, and then one, uh, acquiring copyrighted content to retrain that algorithm and give us version 2.0, a legally clean version, and thus ensure that the end users, whether it's any, you know, your corporation or anybody else's company, can go to sleep at night not having to worry about, you know, some photographer in, in Korea suing the pants off of you for having misused an image or having, or having what I should, I should say, create a synthetic image that might have uh, been in part trained by that, uh, guy, that, that photographer's collection of content. Um, you know, let's get everything, let's get all of the ducks in order here. If we can do that, then we're going to have a successful uh, uh, technology arc, unlike anything else we've ever, ever seen. If we don't get it right, uh, then we're going to be constantly in court. We're going to be constantly in a flux where, where people come out with product, or companies come out with products, I should say, that are legally unsure and unsound. And that scare the literal, you know, uh, whatever out of out of clients to, to end up using it. We don't want that. We want clients to enjoy. We want people to enjoy uh, generative AI products. I really think that, the, you know, it's, it's the future. Uh, but I certainly would say that uh, they should, you know, absolutely be aware that should they be doing so right now with the majority of generative platforms out there, that they're running the risk of finding themselves on the receiving end of a lawsuit. So the the signals you're hearing, seeing, talking to people, you're you're heavily involved in a, uh, in, in chairs of different committees and associations. Uh, is this conversation how would you describe it in terms of? It's headed in the right direction or it's in, in a, you know, because it's so early, it's down at the bottom. Or do you see that understanding of the challenge and fair use and copywriting getting better? Or? Well, um, it is a difficult uh, question to answer. On some fronts, it's moving along quite well. Some, some states, some provinces in Canada, some countries, Europe, for example, under the GDPR legislation that it passed a couple of years ago has absolutely taken the what I call the the torch, and, and they're absolutely at the head of the game on, in terms of regulating uh, the misuse of, of training data or the acquisition of, of, of copyrighted training data without uh, having uh, a paid remuneration royalty fee to the photographer or the content creative. Um, some countries are considering legislation that demands a sort of a list of ingredients on any algorithm, any training uh, algorithm or any product algorithm that says, hey, we got our training data from here. We got our this from that here and we got the, that stuff from there. And that is sort of, you know, very consumer oriented or consumer facing and sort of shows that uh, some countries uh, absolutely have, you know, have gotten the message from, from, from their citizens that uh, they don't want to be the target of malicious uh, uh, technology. They certainly don't want to be the source for data that feeds companies uh, without remuneration or without, uh, without you know, any sort of uh, 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 acknowledgement that, hey, you've taken my most valuable uh, uh, uh Product, which are a product or whatever you want to call it, uh, my most valuable uh, parts of Thanks, myself, Chris. my iris, my fingerprints, my my palm, whatever identifies me as me, and have now productized that without my permission. Um, you know, this is this needs to be gotten right. Uh, and, and so, you know, in the United States right now, the copyright uh, um, what do you call it, uh, bureau. 
um, um, is, is wrestling with that. They so far have come up short. Um, many, many states have come up. As I said, the state of Texas and the state of Illinois, both are, are absolutely ahead of the game. Uh, other states are under incredible duress from tech companies, California, for example, state of New York, and they haven't done as much as they think they should have done. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, but I, I repeat again and again and again that I believe that products that are developed in countries under laws, which absolutely define, you know, strict legalities that say that, you know, all algorithms need to be trained on uh, ethically sourced, legally sourced training data, that there should be a list of ingredients, so on and so forth, absolutely will be much more successful than those that don't. Mark, I want to be sensitive to your time uh, and adhere to you. I know you have a hard stop here in about 10 minutes. What I'd like to do is, as I usually wrap up, in, in terms of uh, threading this conversation together, if there was some bit of advice to give to our listeners, whether they're professionals in the marketing and the advertising and the AI technology side, legal and compliance, about where we are today in this landscape. And I know that's a big question, but just a, a general how should they proceed? What can they be doing to increase their awareness and understanding? Sure. Well, the future is bright. I'll repeat, the future is bright. I think that any company that wishes to sort of dip their toes or jump in uh, you know, headfirst into the generative space and they want to develop products internally should think about doing so. Um, they absolutely should get their ducks in order legally first in order to ensure that the product design and product uh, uh, deployment is, is legally is sound and, 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 structurally, uh, and, and absolutely has a foundation to stand on legally. And that's really, really critical. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, doing creating proprietary systems is absolutely possible. And I think that a lot of companies are considering it and or already engaging in that where they're taking content which they've developed internally, whether it's fonts or logo types or corporate content, photography, video, so on and so forth, that they own, that they have the ability now to create a uh, either an LLM, a, a, you know, a chat GPT-like product, and or uh, a, a DALI-like product, especially for the marketing department, where they can literally spit out uh, you know, any volume of, of, of synthetic uh, versions of all that uh, training data. Um, they should absolutely think about you know, contacting companies that, that uh, talk the talk and walk the walk uh, in terms of you know, ensuring that they are, that they are legally um, uh, protected because no company ever wants to be in bed with a developer and or a consultant that suggests that they, that they avoid all of the aforementioned hard things to do, you know, hard to do things um, because at the end of the day, they'll end up paying uh, lawyers to sort it all out. It's better to get it all done correctly at this very moment. It's just too easy. Uh, however, those companies that do that absolutely will have, you know, the, 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 the what do you call the lay of the, the control of the roost, so to speak. I don't know how better to say that. Uh, they absolutely will be market leaders. They absolutely will have products which are, you know, they'll stand on, on, on strong legs. Well, Mark, thank you so much for taking the time. You've always been generous uh, for me to lean into you and, and pick your brain. Uh, I know you've increased my awareness and understanding of, of this topic, as I sure you have for our listeners. So if I make a promise to you and I say, I will promise to root for the Yankees and, and try to get them out of 
you know, ahead of the Red Sox they are, but keep if if I promise to do that, will you come back in six months and have another conversation and I'll wear a Yankees hat? Oh, heck yes. On that on that note, it's a it's an absolute resounding yes. Terrific. Our listeners heard that. You'll be back. Thank you very much, Mark. And thank you for your time. Thank you very much, Chris. Much appreciated.